and welcome to the 102nd episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I am great. How are you? I'm good. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about spectrum policy. And to talk with us about that, we've invited Jeff Westling uh, to the podcast. Jeff is the Director of Technology and Innovation Policy at the American Action Forum. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Jeff, the 2.5 gigahertz auction is currently underway, but currently no other spectrum auctions are scheduled moving forward. Where do things stand now, and, and what should policymakers be focused on moving forward with respect to auctions? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the 2.5 gigahertz auction is underway, like you just said, and I think just recently reports are coming out. They're topping over 400 million in, in bids, so it's it's moving along pretty nicely. Uh, the FCC's made a lot of progress over the last few years and and getting a lot of these different bands available for flexible use and 5G operations. And uh, it's really important because we we really need more mid-band spectrum available for some of these 5G operations just because of the the nature of the the technology and the nature of the frequencies when they, they operate at these in these bands. They they can you know transmit a lot of data over a pretty good distance. So it's kind of this sweet spot right now. And I think the issue that we're facing is that a lot of the mid-band is currently, you know, allocated to a lot of federal government users. I think there's over two-thirds of the, the spectrum between three gigahertz and 8.4 gigahertz is, is federal operators. So moving forward, we really need to try to find some more bands in the, in the mid-band. Right now, we've got C-band, which is about 3.7 to 4.2. We've got 3.45 to 3.55. Obviously, the CBRS regime, which is not ideal, but has some allocations to the, to the carriers and, and for flexible use in, in, in that band as well. So we've got a lot, but we really need to be doing more, yeah, you know, moving forward to get some of these mid-band frequencies available. Obviously, we're going to focus on the mid-band frequencies, but I also think, you know, kind of looking at some of the, the ultra-high frequencies, the spectrum frontiers is also kind of interesting. Right now, that's not where the carriers are focused, but I think just because they have really high capacity, even if it is a shorter range, there's going to be some interesting use cases there. So that's just another thing to keep an eye on in some of those bands as well. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned federal agencies are using a lot of it, and we have three point one to three point four five coming out, and uh, I think there are some discussions about how to license it, and it would be interesting to talk about that, and then, and then like seven and eight, which is like the next immediate frontier. So, yeah, what do you see there? Yeah, so definitely. I, I think 3.1 to 3.45 is really interesting. And it, it's kind of important to take a little step back and figure out like how we got here. You know, at the outset of this, uh, the Congress directed the NTIA to study the band and see kind of how much and the DOD to study the band and figure out how much could be available for commercial use. And, you know, at the beginning, I was advocating for making that entire band available and, and relocating some of the federal operations. Uh, there was talk about maybe the upper 200 gigahertz, and you know we only got the top 100 megahertz of that of that channel, and that's just not that much spectrum. It, it's a really big step, right, to get that available, but it's not as much as as theoretically we could have gotten, and that's because I think the NTA took a really long time to study the band, and you know they've not necessarily been stalling, but they just don't have a strong incentive to to really push the DoD to to open up more frequencies there. I think it's really important that we don't do some kind of like CBRS model where we, we focus a lot on sharing. Obviously, sharing is important, but we can't uh, get the same amount of value for the, the operators if they don't know for sure where their rights are going to lie and where you know, 
sometimes they might have to turn it off or they might face harmful interference from a license, uh, unlicensed operator who theoretically doesn't have any right to interfere with the incumbent, but you know, sometimes the devices will cause interference unexpectedly. So it, it's just one of those bands where you really, like, I think we really need to act on it. And it's hard to get the DOD and federal agencies to make some of this bandwidth available when, quite frankly, they don't have to. Yeah, and and for example, with three point one, we need the right licensing, and and as you mentioned, I don't think CBRS is the right way. Especially when you look at CBRS, the reason why we have a sharing agreement, a lot of the reasons for that is the the Spin forty three radar, which is on twenty seven U.S. aircraft carriers, that they get planes off and on the the aircraft carriers going into into U.S. harbors at, at Norfolk and San Diego. The Navy just bought or, or signed a, a contract for the Spin 50, which solved that, solves that. So we, we should definitely revisit that and, and also take it as a learning experience. Yeah. Well, I think, and just to build up your point, I, I think a lot of folks really hold up the CBRS as like this great model that really works. And, you know, it's really efficient. And I, I just don't see it to be that way. Like there's there's so much value in, in having this this exclusive license that you just know where your operating rights lay and how far you can push it and know you're not going to face harmful interference. And I think that's why we saw at auction the CBRS licenses, the priority access licenses just did not generate the same interest as we saw in you know, C-band or 3.45 where you have this, this operating right and it's clearly defined and you know, you're not sharing it. You don't have to have different technologies in there to make sure that, you know, you're not going to cause harmful interference to, to the Navy radars or, or whatever. And, and you don't know where the technology is going to go in the future. So just allowing those markets to work and, you know, getting the government out of it is always kind of an ideal approach. Yeah. And as you mentioned, CBRS was the lowest value license this century. We can even say now this century, right? And and what's really interesting, the, C- the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, scored the 3.1 spectrum at like $11 billion. Yeah. Unlicensed providers will not be able to, to come up with that kind of money. Only, only wireless providers can, can do that because it's a much better monetization model. Well, for sure. And one of the things that we, we talk about is having a very balanced approach to spectrum policy, having unlicensed and licensed. I, I'm a big believer in kind of the, the unlicensed approach in that it's a place of innovation. You can have new devices come up and test there, but we have a lot of mid-band allocated to unlicensed right now. The, the six gigahertz band is about 1200 megahertz, all for unlicensed. I was an advocate of making that available for unlicensed, but at the same time, you have to recognize that, that means that there's less available for the commercial operators. And like you said, they're not going to pay for unlicensed at auction. I think there's a lot of economic value that comes from unlicensed, but it's important to remember that we need both. And right now we're, we're kind of lagging behind on the license front. Yeah. And so what do you see in like seven and eight? No, I think it's just another opportunity to, to, to make more bandwidth available. I think seven to eight is, is a really good, has good propagation characteristics. I think it'd be a very valuable license. And again, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning in terms of just the, the capacity at the ultra high frequencies, but the higher the frequency, generally you get more capacity over a shorter range. And for these 5G networks where we're really, you know, building out some some really cool technologies where we can facilitate a lot of different applications that, you know, require low latency that require a lot of bandwidth, some of these higher frequencies are going to be really important. And this is still kind of in that sweet spot. And 
Um, I'm really excited to kind of see where we can go. But like, like you said, we need to actually, you know, put in the work and, and, and make these available. And the propagation of the higher frequencies is actually amazing because there was this big discussion between T-Mobile and Verizon about T-Mobile, my, my 2.5 propagates better than, than your 3.5. And in reality, they both run it on an AWS grid. So it propagates equally well, and which is amazing from a physics perspective. <laughs> but but massive MIMO does the trick here, and and the speeds are are pretty comparable. Yeah. So, you know, as as we mentioned or or, or talked about, the, the spectrum authority, the the auction authority is expiring in a, in a couple of weeks. So there's a lot of discussion about. Uh, how long and and when and all of these things. We had former FCC Commissioner O'Reilly on the week before, and he, he was like briefly talking about that. And so what's your perspective? Yeah, it's really interesting. So as just a general matter, the first kind of instinct might just be, okay, well, let's just reauthorize this for 10 years. That's, you know, what we normally do. This is a general good. I don't think even, you know, folks disagree on the merits of auctions as a concept. I think everyone has kind of gotten on board that to say that auctions are the most efficient way of allocating spectrum rights and getting them into the hands that, of the operators that are going to use them the most efficiently. But there's an issue that comes with, with the, the long-term auction in, in that it, once you pass the, the auction authority, for the duration of that authority, that there's no more new revenue in terms of, of auctions. They, they factor in the amount of revenue that the actions are going to uh, the auctions are going to draw into the congressional budget off its baseline when the bill is passed. So that means for the next 10 years if we go ahead and try to pass a bill saying, you know, let's make available 7 to 8 gigahertz and we're going to specifically designate the FCC to do that, well Congress can't come in and say that this is now new revenue and we can use those funds for other things. So if we do a long-term auction, it really makes it hard to have Congress come in on the back end and say we're going to pass all or we're going to initiate all these different auctions and we're going to be able to use these revenues because now they can't use the revenue for other projects. Uh, so for me, if we don't have a spectrum pipeline and we aren't getting some of these different bands that we've talked about, you know, the 7 to 8 gigahertz is a good example, 4 gigahertz is another example. If we don't have some of these in the pipeline, it's going to be hard for the FCC to come in at the back end and say, okay, NCIA, let's work together and let's get these bands available for auction because they don't really have an incentive to do that. So we really need Congress to have that pipeline. And you can't have that pipeline if you don't have the revenues to, to, to offset spending for different projects. And you just don't have the political will because Congress isn't going to you know, take those fights if they're not getting anything out of it. Uh, so for me, I would rather just get us this two year, maybe even a year and a half, which I think is in the Spectrum Innovation Act, the reauthorization. So we don't expire as we're doing this 2.5 gigahertz auction. You don't have to want, run into any of these weird legal questions of what does it mean for the auction to be complete? Like, do we have to actually have the license in the hands of the operator before the auction authority expires? Because that probably won't happen. Let's just get this short-term reauthorization done so we can you know, get through these auctions and not worry about it. But then give us time to develop that pipeline and we can pass it as a part of that longer-term auction. And when you do that, you can use some of those auction revenues for things like next generation 911 or even brick replace, as I know a lot of people are focused on. Yeah, and, and we want to have spectrum from the spectrum pipeline attached to the auction authority so that, you know, there's here's what's available, here's what we're going to do. And so that actually goes hand in hand together. 
it definitely goes hand in hand together. It's something we've always done. You know, it's, it's always, you know, a process because for me, at least one of my big concerns is that we've been seeing a lot of these kind of interagency disputes kind of making it difficult to get some of this, this spectrum allocated for commercial use just because, and I don't know how, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar. I don't know how familiar with all the listeners are the, the history of this, but the Interapartment Radio Advisory Committee, which is kind of the federal overseer of spectrum, which is a part of the NCIA, you know, they were founded when we didn't have the FCC and they were just trying to prevent harmful interference with their incumbents. And they kind of still have that same directive today. Their goal is to make sure that, you know, the DOD and the DOT and whoever other uh, federal agency that has spectrum isn't going to face harmful interference. And, and therefore, they're not going to want new services cropping up nearby or even in the same bands. So if you don't have Congress kind of telling them what to do, the FCC can't really force it. And you need Congress kind of backing to say, look, these are the bands we think should be allocated. You know, we're going to harmonize these internationally. We're going to start moving ahead with exploring whether we can share them, whether we can make them available or whatnot. And without that pipeline, it's just going to be really hard to get some of these, these fights done. It's not impossible. And I think, you know, some of the stuff we've done in, on improving coordination between the agencies is, is going to be really helpful. But um, I, I really think you need that pipeline from Congress to say, like, this is where we need to be going and, and, and put some of that political will behind it. Well, let's let's hope that's going to happen. Right. And um we need a spectrum pipeline. We need the spectrum authority. And so we should really go step by step and have here a, a shorter term extension with spectrum pipeline goals attached to it. Right. Well, and I also think just to, to highlight why we couldn't just do a long term authorization, I kind of touched on this already, but I, I think it came up a lot in the hearing a couple of weeks ago before the Senate. Uh, where some of the advocates for long-term reauthorization were saying, well, we can always do a spectrum pipeline later. I just want to reiterate why that's not the most feasible option, right? If you do that long-term reauthorization without the spectrum pipeline, sure, Congress could come in and say, okay, well, we also want the FCC to, you know, in two years or three years, we can say the FCC should auction off the four, seven to eight gigahertz band or the four gigahertz band. But there's not going to be any new revenue there, right? The new revenue, that the, all the revenue for any potential auction is factored into the CBO's baseline when the auction authority is, is extended. So that means any potential auction is going to be factored into the baseline already. And so if you're saying, well, now we're going to auction seven to eight, that's already been factored in. That's not new revenue. So if Congress wants to use 7.8 revenue, uh, seven to eight gigahertz revenue to, to uh, support some program that they want to support, they can't really do that because that's already been factored in at the outset. And so, therefore, like, there's not going to be a lot of political will to take on federal agencies and incumbents to actually go get this done. There's just not a political reason to do it. And so, technically, yes, they could go ahead and, and do it in the future. But practically speaking, you really need to make sure that this is tied at the time we, we reauthorize the uh, auction authority. So that way you can use those funds for things like Next Gen 911, Rip and Replace, which, you know, they're going to do with the long-term reauthorization as well. But you're, you theoretically would have a lot more revenue if you have you know specific auctions because when the CBO scoring, we'll have certainty that this is the kind of thing that's going to get done. Well, Jeff, I hope that they are listening to you and that <laughs> they are following your your recommendations. Thank you very much for for coming on the show, and thank you, Don, and thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Colin.